Good morning, everyone. Welcome. Happy uh, end of daylight savings time. I kind of, I kind of, uh, I'm going to miss it. I miss it already. I, I like to be, I like for it to be light outside when I go home at night. So, uh, but all right, true confession time. How many people have been here for a couple hours? Anybody? Okay. <laughs> all right. We welcome everybody here and uh, hope God's going to bless you in a very special way. And we welcome our guests especially. You're very important to us and uh, we're glad that you're here and hope that you'll feel very much part of our family as we worship God. Let me remind everyone of uh, several announcements we have. First of all, let me remind everyone of our attendance sheets that are on each row. I'd like to ask if you would to take those and fill them out and pass them down the row so others down the row can fill them out as well. And Put your name and address and phone number, and especially if you would like to receive our email newsletter um, that comes out each week, please put your email address on there, and we'll get you on that list. It's a good way to keep up with the activities going on here at Community Baptist Church, and we have a lot of activities going on. Uh, first of all, let me say thank you for, uh, for a, another great fall festival. We had lots of people here and a lot of fun and People were coming and going and a lot of neat costumes and, and um, uh, people remarked to me how wonderful it is that we do this every year and it's a part of their, their tradition each year. So thank you for uh, those who volunteered to help with that. It was a, another great success and I think we ran out of just about everything. So we, um, uh, that's a mark of, of everyone having a, a good time. Uh, we will be having our Fellowship Cafe next Sunday uh, here at the church at uh, Sunday morning, so we invite you to come and be a part of that. And uh, getting up a, a group to go see Sandy Patty in Louisville on December the 9th. Sandy Patty, if you don't know who she is, she's a, uh, a gospel singer and a wonderful soprano and uh, just got a beautiful voice. And uh, if you would like to go and be a part of that, please see Kirk Haynes, and uh, he'll arrange to, to get you a ticket. Um, also, coming up in, a, in a, about three, well, a couple of weeks, I guess, two and a half weeks, our Dawnings team. We've been hearing a lot about our Dawnings team, and our Dawnings team will be bringing a report to the church on November the 19th. This is a Wednesday night uh, during our, our evening service that evening. Uh, that will be our service. We'll be hearing the report uh, from our Dawnings team and bringing some recommendations before the church. And so I know that you'll be interested in that and, and uh, hearing um, what's going on and be in prayer about that. And we can answer any questions and get your feedback and your input. Uh, and, and we would be grateful for all of that. Uh, again, today we are in the middle of Upward and uh, we're also a, a, a polling site on Tuesday. So please, if you wouldn't mind, if you're able to uh, hang around after church and help us to stack chairs, we would appreciate that uh, greatly. And so now, uh, if you wouldn't mind, let's stand and let's share the love of Christ with one another and let's greet each other in the name of the Lord.
Here I am to say that you're my God. You're all together lovely, all together worthy, all together wonderful to me. Our responsive reading today is titled, We Remember. We remember, O God, we remember, O God, we remember, O God, We remember, O oh God, the supreme love of Jesus, the blessing of His Spirit, the reminder of His glory, the glory of His resurrection, shown forth in the lives of His disciples, young and old, dead and living, articulate and silent, strange and familiar, brilliant and ordinary. We remember in every time and place the saints of God who have shown us the Lord. Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us worship God with joy. Amen. We often talk about the church as a community, but our Western society tends to glorify the rugged individual. And because of this, it it is sometimes hard to realize just how interrelated our lives with others are. And yet, our lives are intertwined with the lives of others in ways that we are not even aware. Uh, And whether we like to admit it or not, we are social creatures. We also sometimes like to think that we are who we are because we've worked hard to make it that way. That is, unless there's there's something about ourselves that we don't like, and then it's obviously due to those uh, traumatic childhood experiences. Uh, Yet, if we're honest with ourselves, much of what we are as human beings, we owe to other people, especially in the church. Most of us have fathers and mothers in, in the faith, and sometimes those are our own parents, Sometimes they are people who have loved us and were patient with us when we were bratty teenagers. Uh, Some were teachers and pastors and youth ministers and Sunday school teachers who in small ways or large ways helped us to grow and, and nurtured us in life as well as in faith. We always stand in a larger community than just those who are around us every day. And for those who are older, many of those people who shaped our lives are now gone. Uh, But this is the time of the year, the time near All Saints Day, that the church calls on us to remember our fathers and mothers in the faith. We truly are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, as it says in Hebrews. The church and its people across the centuries that were faithful to God and to us. 
And so this is a time of recognizing and honoring those who have passed on before us. So let us hear the names and let us give honor to our recently departed saints. Jay Blanford, Pamela Cagle, Clark Cannon, Richard Cox, Rodney Davis, Vince Davis, Sean Haltom, Frida Shaw, Paul Smith, and Sammy Williams. If there is someone we have overlooked, please feel free to speak their name now. We light this candle in remembrance and in honor of our departed saints. Let us pray together. Holy God, who called us into life, From the first Adam and Eve to the babies born around the world this morning, you have labored and we were born. Holy is your name in all the earth. We thank you for this day and all who have shown us your way. For Abraham and Sarah, they heard your call and ventured to new places even though they were old. We listen for your call today. Miriam and Moses danced and led your people from suffering towards a new promise. We await a vision of your burning fire today. Deborah fought, Samuel prayed, and they led in different ways. Prepare us to lead today. David and Bathsheba sinned and were forgiven. We confess our sins and long for your grace today. Amos spoke, and Esther stood tall for the sake of justice. And we open ourselves to your strength today. The saints down through the ages, including those whose names we have uttered this morning, have picked up their crosses to follow you. And we pray that we might faithfully follow you too. Holy God, who called us into life through these saints in our lives Be born anew to us that we might serve all of your saints, the hungry and the thirsty, the sick and imprisoned, the naked and the forgotten, so that we may honor your holy name in all the earth. Amen.
seated. Our scripture today is Revelation chapter 7, verse 9 through 17. After this I looked, and there was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, robed in white, with palm branches in their hands. They cried out in a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God, who is seated on the throne, and to the Lamb. And all the angels stood around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, singing, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders addressed me, saying, Who are these robed in white, and where have they come from? I said to him, Sir, you are the one that knows. Then he said to me, These are they who have come out of the great ordeal. They have have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. For this reason they are before the throne of God and worship him day and night within his temple. And the one who is seated on the throne will shelter them. They will hunger no more and thirst no more. The sun will not strike them, nor any scorching heat. For the Lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. And he will guide them to springs of the water of life. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. You mean they can hear me now? Stop. What are you doing? My old girls. Now, I know we got some more back here. Come on up here, Gray. Oh, okay. <laughs> I think that was a vote no. <clears throat> yeah, I think it was a vote no. As you all know, I like to work with wood, okay? And my biggest problem with working wood, wood is... A lot of times I have a lot of scrap pieces of wood left over, and some of it's kind of expensive. And here, a little while back, I thought, man, what am I going to do with that? I just can't really throw that in the trash pile and burn it. And I thought, what can I do? So I got to thinking about it and everything. I got on the bandsaw, and I started working on it. What is that? It's a cross, ain't it? What's that? It's another cross, huh? Yeah. Yeah, I got a bunch of them there, you know. Cross too, ain't it? Yeah. Well, you know, I got to playing around on the bandsaw and cutting these cross out of all this excess scrap I had. I got to looking at them and I thought, you know, they kind of remind me of my world or our world, okay? They're all different colors in here, just like people. Okay? And if you look at them, they're not really very straight, are they? Kind of rough looking and don't, they're really not perfect, are they? And I thought, you know, that too reminds me of our world. Reminds me of me. I'm not perfect. And I thought, well, you know, what am I going to do with these? 
I thought, well, so I got busy. I uh, found some old shoestring, leather shoestring, and I put it on her. Guess what I made? Made me a necklace. Now, I looked at this and I said, you know, that cross is cut well enough you knew what it was, right? But it's kind of rough. So it's not a perfect cross, is it? So I named my cross my imperfect, perfect cross. And you know what this cross does for me? It reminds me that I'm not perfect. And all I have to do is look up to God and ask Him for forgiveness for my sins, right? And God will forgive us for our sins, correct? So even though it's just a piece of scrap wood, it's not really a lot of money, but it's still a good reminder. And I think we all need a reminder once in a while, don't we? So, guess what? I got a cross here. Do you like that one? Put it over your head? Put it on? Kind of rattle together. There you go. Well, I wouldn't forget you, dear. There you go. Okay. Okay. Does that work? Can you wear that? Now, somebody comes up to you and says, Why are you wearing that old rickety cross? And your answer should be, It reminds me and it should remind you too that we're not perfect. And all we have to do is ask God for forgiveness for our sins. Can we do that? Okay, hold on one minute. I have some extras if anybody wants any. Lana, would you come up here, please? Gray wouldn't come up. Does she have a friend back there, too? No. Okay, I want you to give that Gray, okay? I also got another one, and I asked. Got your hearing back now? Can't hear me though, can you? I asked you if Evan was going to be here today. Many of you don't know it, and many of you do know, tomorrow Evan's going to have a surgery and uh, procedure. And uh, I wanted him to have a cross. I want you to give it to him. I want you to tell him that this cross is reminding him that everyone in this church has got him in his prayers and thoughts tomorrow, okay? And I'm sure we all do. Thank you.
pray. Our Heavenly Father, as we stand here in the presence of Your Holy Spirit, Your Son, Jesus Christ, we think of those that have gone on before us, those that have led examples in Your righteousness, in Your love. And Father, our prayer today is that You forgive us of our shortcomings, that we may truly live by Your will. You give us everything that we need to accomplish that, Lord. So help us to surrender to that. We're thankful for these that come to mind, that have gone on, and those that are still present, Lord. We ask that you help us be a blessing to one another and that we strive towards the mark to press on to that glorious day that we can stand before you and all the saints. Christ's name.
Amen. Thank you. Today we are celebrating All Saints Sunday. Um, And Dr. Carlisle Marney once said that a person can be understood as being similar to a house. We have our living rooms where we entertain and we have our basements where we hide the trash. And so he suggested that a good way to observe All Saints Sunday is to walk out onto your front yard and salute the people on your balcony. You see, the balcony people in our lives are those who have gone on before us, who have been our encouragers and left a legacy for us. So that's what we do on this All Saints Sunday. We salute all of the saints who have gone on before us, whose faithfulness has provided us with the faith that we have today. In John Bunyan's classic work, uh, Pilgrim's Progress, we are introduced to two characters named Christian and Hopeful. They are drawing, they went through many adventures throughout the book, and they are drawing near to the river of death. And then as they reach the river, they are met by two shining figures whose clothing shines like, like gold and whose faces shine like the light. And these two shining figures are able to lead Christian and Hopeful as they emerge from the river of death into the celestial city. Now, you may think that these shining figures are angels, but they are not. Rather, they are the saints of God shining as lights in the world of darkness and sin. And that's who we are to be. Like these saints in the Pilgrim's Progress, we are to be shining lights, helping the wanderer find his or her way home. One of the most beautiful portrayals of saints is found in our lesson for today from John's book of Revelation. He said, After this I looked, and there were before me there before me was a great multitude that no one could count. From every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, they were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands, and they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. All the angels were standing around the throne and all the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell down on their faces before the throne, and worshipped God, saying, Amen, praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Amen. And then one of the elders asked me, These in white robes, who are they? And where did they come from? So I answered, Sir, you know. And he said, These are they who have come out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. What beautiful language that is. What poetry that is to describe the saints of God. But I want you to notice who these saints are. Before me was a great multitude that no one could count, says John. From every nation, every tribe. Every people and language standing before the throne and before the Lamb. My friends, our faith has always been a universal faith. And it's amazing to me that so many Christians 
forget this. Saints of God come from every color, every race, and speak every language, just like Larry was talking about with his crosses. They are of different colors and different shapes a little bit and a little bit different. God's saints come from all kinds of people. There's a wonderful story about one of my heroes in faith, Clarence Jordan. Clarence Jordan was a true saint of God. He was a Greek scholar and a theologian who established an integrated farming community in South Georgia in the 1940s. It was called Koinonia Farms. It, it was from Koinonia Farms that Habitat for Humanity emerged. And he's best known for his cotton patch gospels in which he translated parts of the, much of the New Testament into southern lingo. Well, Clarence went to preach a revival service at a church in the Deep South one time. And, and you have to remember that this was over 50 years ago. This was a time when segregation was the norm for the, for the South. But Clarence got up to preach in that church that he was preaching this revival for. And he looked out on this congregation. He realized that this congregation was not segregated at all. There were black folks and white folks all there together. And so after the service, he asked the pastor who was, well, he was an old hillbilly preacher. He asked the pastor, how'd you get the church left this way? And this old hillbilly preacher said, what way? And so Clarence said, well, black folks and white folks all together integrated. Is it because of the Supreme Court decision? And the preacher said, Supreme Court? Why would we Christians need the Supreme Court to tell us that black folks and white folks ought to be all together? And so Clarence asked, well, how did it happen then? What's the history behind this? And so this old preacher said, well, there used to be about 20 people in this church. And when the old preacher died, they couldn't get nobody to come preach. And so after about two months, I told the deacons that I'd preach. And since they couldn't get anybody else to come, they said, okay. And so I got up the next Sunday and I opened the Bible. I put my finger down on that verse that says, In Christ there is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, but all are one in Christ Jesus. Colossians 3.1 or 3.11. And so I preached on that. And I told them how Jesus makes all kinds of people one. And when I finished, the deacon said they wanted to talk to me in the back room. And when I got back there, you know what they told me? They told me they don't want to hear that kind of preaching no more. And so Clarence asked, what'd you do? And the old preacher said, I fired them deacons. <laughs> he said, if a man's not going to deacon, he ought to be fired. But Clarence Jordan was amazed. He said, why didn't, why didn't they fire you? He, the old hillbilly preacher said, because they didn't hire me. <laughs> they couldn't fire me if they didn't hire me. He said, you know, once I found out what bothered those people, I gave it to them week after week. I put that knife in the same place Sunday after Sunday. And Jordan was stunned at this. And he asked, and they put up with that? And the old preacher said, well, no, not really. I preached that church down to four people. 
And then he said, sometimes revival happens not when people come in, but when people go out. The fact is that if people were going to stand in the way of the Spirit of God, it's better they be gone. And so after that, we decided we were going to build that church on people who were actually serious about following Jesus. And that's when we started to grow. That night, Clarence Jordan stayed at the home of a member of that church who was a graduate of Yale University. He was a college professor, had a Ph.D. in English literature. He drove 70 miles every Sunday to go to church. And so Clarence asked this brilliant young professor, why do you go to that church and hear that old hillbilly preacher? You have a Ph.D. from Yale. He can't, he can't even utter a grammatical statement. And so the young man said, sir... I go to that church because that man preaches the gospel. And that's the gospel. All people on earth are represented around the throne of God. And that's the first thing we need to notice about the saints of God this morning. Here's the second. Notice how they were dressed. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. Now, white, of course, is, is the symbol of holiness and purity. And these, these saints were in the presence of a very holy God, which meant that they needed to be holy too. And let's admit it, folks. When we think about saints, what do we think about? We think about people who are extraordinarily holy in their lives. But you don't, I don't know about you, but I don't meet that many holy people. Do you? I don't meet that many holy people. And when I do, they kind of give me the heebie-jeebies. Because it just doesn't seem real. So how did these saints get this way? Well, a little further down in this passage, we're told how they got that way. It says... They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Now, we don't talk very much these days about being washed in the blood of the Lamb. It's a little graphic for our modern sensibilities. But here in the book of Revelation, it's, a, it's simply a symbolic way of saying that these saints have been made worthy to inherit what God has promised because of Christ's death on the cross. In other words, they're standing around that throne in the same way that all of us will one day be standing around that throne. By the grace of God. My friends, if getting into heaven was a matter of merit, we'd all be in a heap of trouble. Every one of us. I heard a story about Mother Teresa. The story says that Mother Teresa was in heaven and she was dining with God. But the only thing before them was a couple of tuna fish sandwiches. And so while they were eating, she looks down into Hades and sees that the citizens of that realm were feasting on steak and lobster and creme brulee. And so Mother Teresa turns to God and says, not that I'm complaining or anything, but why are they eating so lavishly and all we're having are tuna fish sandwiches? Well, says God, with just the two of us up here, I figure why cook? Why cook? 
Well, if getting into heaven were based on merit, maybe Mother Teresa would make it. I don't know. And maybe a few others. But you and me, mm, sorry, I don't think so. I'm afraid we might be on the outside looking in. So you see, our admittance to this select company of saints will not be based on anything good that you or I have done in our lives, but on God's unconditional love for us. God's amazing grace. Now you may think sometimes we talk about grace too much. But you need to understand that there are a lot of people, even a lot of church people, who don't really believe that God loves them unconditionally. Pastor Billy Hornsby in his book titled The Attractional Church tells about his experience of the Christian faith. You see, he grew up in a very strict Christian household. And he said that he and his brothers and sisters had their chores that they had to do each day, like preparing their own breakfast and ironing their own clothes. And he said one morning when, when he was um, about 10 years old, he was ironing his shirt. He could barely see over the ironing board. And he was pressing his shirt for school, but the iron slipped. And before he could catch it, it burned his chest. And so he screamed and ran to get some ice from the refrigerator. And he says, Mama clearly looked at me, or calmly looked at me and said, See there, God is punishing you. He goes on to say, If she said this once, she said it a hundred times. It was her doctrine of God and forgiveness. She wanted to make sure that we knew that we were accountable for our actions and the consequences of everything we did. This was my experience, he writes. And it was what I had as a basis of faith. Do bad, you get punished, but never forgiven. He said what I needed and what I wanted was forgiveness. But then he met an atheist one day who told, told Hornsby that there was no God. And this made Hornsby mad. He said, I knew that there was a God in heaven because he'd been punishing me all my life, according to Mama. And strangely enough, this atheist statement about there being no God motivated Hornsby to go into the Scriptures and to learn for himself who God is and what God expects from us. And in his research, he discovered not only that there is a God, but that God is actually the God that he always hoped existed. God of love, a God of acceptance and forgiveness instead of a God who was obsessed with meeting out punishment for our every sin. My friends, there are still way too many religious people who have a God who plays havoc with their lives and who punishes them for sins of which they're not even aware so I think it's very important that we see that these saints of God have all their sins taken away from them purely and simply because of God's great love. So notice who these saints are. Notice how they're dressed. And then finally notice what they've come through. 
These are they who have come out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white with the blood of the Lamb. Notice those words. These are they who have come out of the great tribulation. I think it's important for us to understand that God's promises are to a very special group of people. To those who follow in the footsteps of Jesus. Sure, we are accepted and we are loved just the way we are. But folks, once we turn to Christ, we are to make every effort to live our lives just as Jesus lived his life. We are to love as Jesus loved. We are to forgive as Jesus forgave And many of us have a a mushy kind of faith that says, well, everything's all right, and Jesus loves me, this I know. It doesn't matter what I do with my life. I can go ahead and living for myself as if I'm the only one on earth that matters. We are often like that little boy who says to his father, let's play darts. I'll throw, and you say, wonderful. That's what we want out of our God. We want God to tell us that we're wonderful. We want God to tell us that we are accepted and we are forgiven and we are loved. But don't tell us that our robes are dirty. Don't tell us that there are some changes that we need to make in our lives. Don't tell us that we need to be washed in the blood of the Lamb. Let me repeat those important words from Max Lucado. God loves us just the way we are. But God loves us too much to leave us that way. God wants us to be like Jesus. So that's, there it is, folks. There it is. Who are these saints around the throne of God? Well, everybody on this earth is a candidate for sainthood. Yeah. All of us. Not a one of us is worthy of it. But because of what Christ has done in our behalf, it comes to us as a free gift. And once it is received, we are to join the holy company that's seeking to bring light into a world of darkness through our lives. So I pray that that's where you are today. I pray that you recognize that there's nothing that you can do to join that chorus of saints in heaven except to accept the love of God and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And once you have done that, I hope that you will make every effort in your life to keep your robes clean, to keep them washed in the blood of the Lamb, and to live your life just like Jesus lived his, or as much as possible, so that we may reflect the glory of Jesus Christ. Amen. Let us sing together our closing hymn, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus, number 320. And I hope this is the prayer that each of us pray, that we would keep our eyes focused on our Lord Jesus Christ and walk in the path that he walked. Suffer as he suffered, love as he loved, forgive as he forgave, and give grace and mercy 
as we have received grace and mercy. Let us sing together. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. May your blessing, O God, be upon us this day as it has been on all the saints who have come before us. May your blessings be upon the poor, the hungry, and the deprived of our world. Fill the hungry, enrich the poor, and comfort the marginalized. Bring to all the riches of your glorious inheritance of hope, of power, and of love. May your blessings be upon all those who will yet hear the word of truth, who will yet put their hope in Christ. Together with all the saints everywhere, may we come to know you ever more deeply, and may we live each day ever closer to your ways in love and in forgiveness and in compassion. Amen.